Hey, hey, you're listening to the Produce Like a Boss podcast, where we are arming you with the tools that you need to become a six-figure producer. So if you're brand new here and you don't know me, hey, I'm Chris Bradley. I have built a six-figure production company from my home studio, recording and producing through multiple revenue streams, including sync licensing, beat licensing, custom songwriting, session work, and more. All right, so today we're going to jump right back in. This is part four of a four-part series called the Six-Figure Producer Blueprint. All right, let's do this. And we are back, and this is the grand finale. I mean, we're not going anywhere, but this is the finale of our four-part series that uh, has relaunched the Producer Like a Boss podcast, too. Chris, I must say, roaring success. (laughs) Yeah, we're getting really good feedback from our community about the new podcast format. Yeah, people are are really responding well, and it's been really wonderful to be welcomed into the P-Lab community on more of a, a front-facing level because I've been behind the scenes. And I said this, I've listened to all of our podcasts, so I know I say every podcast, I go, I'm really excited for today's episode. But uh, once again, I'm very <laughs> excited for today's episode um, because today is also really reflective of myself and where I am in, in the journey. And today we're talking all about really what it takes to go full-time as a producer. And we like to call it what it takes to become a home studio boss. And there's a lot of things that you don't predict are going to happen. And I've been saying this to a lot of students as I've been chatting with people as we've been talking about home studio boss that you get this nice little vision, right? You get this vision of your life. Oh, if my studio made $5,000 a month, if my studio made $8,000 a month, I'd be happy forever. And here's everything (laughs) my life would look like. (laughs) And while that it's not that it doesn't provide happiness, it's that you don't know what problems are going to come up. And it's like you solve one problem to get a more interesting problem. And that's what we get to talk a lot about at P-Lab. And so that's what the sort of nature of this call, this podcast is going to be about. It's talking about what it looks like to be a pro producer and how to navigate that world. Yeah, I'm excited. And I want to start with a little bit of an audible because I'm so curious. You really went through the artist journey. You know, you moved to Nashville, you're doing the songwriting thing, you're doing the bar gig thing. Then you kind of stumble into home production a little bit. It wasn't sort of, it seems like your your front facing goal. And so I'm just curious when, did you have a moment where you sort of realized like, this is my full-time income. I am a full-time producer. I'm not, I'm quitting the bar job. And I understand too, like things are sort of gradual and it might not seem like a point, but I'm just wondering when you look back on your journey, do you have a, a sort of a transition point where you're like, oh man, like that's a lot of money coming in and it's all from my home studio. This is like the real thing. Yeah, for sure. And there was definitely, <clears throat> there was like this, it was happening already for a long period of time before the moment really hit me because I was so focused on what I said my goals were, you know, it's like, oh, I moved here to become a hit songwriter, or I moved here to Nashville to get a pub deal or to get a record deal. And so because I was so focused on this other goal, I was kind of like, oh, this is my side hustle. This is my side hustle until I do remember that moment where I was sitting there and I was like, hold on. And this has been happening for months now. So it's not a fluke. It's like, I have three top lighting clients this week. Like that's a thousand bucks between those, right? I'm like, I got a couple demo clients this week. That's another couple thousand. I got a couple custom songs coming in and I'm looking at my schedule. I'm looking at the income coming in and I'm like, is it safe to call this my front hustle yet? Like, is it safe to say I'm a pro producer? And then there was like this moment where I was like, is this where I should be putting more of my energy and my focus. Cause I was really enjoying being behind the scenes as well. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, I know we've already discussed this, but it's like, I had friends that did have hit songs that did have publishing deals that were going, you're doing what 
right. you get to stay home and you're making money. Like teach me how to do what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the moment was, was surreal where I was like, oh my gosh, like I am doing this like full time. Did it feel like you were sacrificing something when you sort of made that identity shift? Cause I feel like that's something that we can get really locked into a binary mindset. Like I'm either an artist or I sort of am a producer behind the scenes. I'm either getting a record deal and I'm playing bar gigs or I'm going to do session singing. I'm just wondering, did you, was it, was it difficult to be like, I'm giving this up or did it feel like you were giving something up to sort of commit to this other side, the side you know, becoming front hustle? It may be at first, which is maybe what, where the disconnect from me acknowledging it was happening, mm. was that the resistance was there because of my focus being so, you know, in one direction. But mm. to be honest, like when it hit me, I was like, whoa, like this is, this is so cool. I actually got more excited than anything else because I realized that the other things I was doing to support myself as an artist, like playing long bar gigs that I had to travel to and carry my own PA to that, you know, that I had to buy my own dinner ad and, and stuff, you know, um, that was that really supporting my artist career, you know, or how about when I had to bartend or when I had to drive for Lyft or Uber eats or, you know, stuff yes. like that. And I'm like, wait a second, like, I don't have to stop doing like pursuing my artist goals. Like mm -hmm. I can actually, this is a plan B that supports my plan a. So that was actually really exciting for me. Yeah. And a plan B that you really love. Yeah. And then it turned out I ended up falling more in love with that. And then I just kept running in that direction. You know, I, I didn't have a desire for me personally to put out an artist project as much as I was really enjoying doing my work in service to others, which I think just was a natural progression for, for my life and just where I just, you know, this is the new chapter now. And there's something to be said, like about you create something that you love for you and you're really proud of it. And like, this is my project, my baby. Awesome. Mm. I've done that. I've done that for years. Right. right but then right. to be able to go like, I did this for somebody else and I brought them so much joy and I brought their project to another level. They compensated me fairly for it. So I got to make great money, but then I got to be in service. Like there was something about that that really resonated for me. Yeah. And I think that can take a minute to properly sort of wrap your head around because mm -hmm. one, like the industry is sort of well, there's a lot of ego because there's a lot of your identity attached <laughs> to something, right? So yeah. it's not even ego in a competitive sense, but like, I want to be able to tell people I'm a musician and I don't want to have to put an asterisk on it. I don't want to have to put a caveat on it. So you're, you're wrapped up in these sort of tropes and labels that really don't have a lot of significance, but we put a lot of significance on them. Sure. And I wonder, you know, how many, I feel like people listening to this that are in that sort of just coming to that producer lane and, and my, myself, like you're sort of trying to live a lot of lives now. So you can sort of yeah, I still gig, like I'm still doing the grind. And you're like, well, this is kind of easier than the grind, but it's not supposed to be easy, right? Like I'm supposed to be like struggling to do this. And you're sort of trying to balance all these things as you sinking that, that new identity, I suppose. And I think identity just plays such a huge role in musicians' lives because it's so like yeah. know, esoteric and vague. So we're like trying so hard to <laughs> string something together that like is a yeah. business card or an elevator pitch. And I think that can take a lot of time to settle with. You know what though? Like I will say like going, like talking, speaking about, I, and first of all, like I am trying to release the need to use labels as much these days, but I understand how important they can be. Um, and so if, if that's the case, it's like, I went from, I'm an artist or I'm a musician to 
I'm a pro producer. <laughs> like if we're using labels, that felt a lot better to say when someone said, what do you do? Right. Instead of I'm a musician, which leaves it open to interpretation for you starve for your art or, you know, you don't get paid at all, or you probably invest in yourself, but don't make money back. Cause most musicians spend money to on their music more than they actually make money from it. So right. it was actually a pretty cool identity shift in that way. Not only to say like, I'm a pro producer, but when somebody said like, what do you do? Oh, I make music professionally. Like I get paid to do that. Like that was a huge, since we're talking about ego, ego yeah. boost within yeah. itself. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally agree. Cause I think that's just that, like the Christmas party fantasy, we all live in our brains mm. all the time as musicians, right? That, that's like, you're always sort of trying to be at your 10 year high school reunion or something where you're trying to like prove that you're, you know, but it's all internal, right? You're proving it to yourself right. that you're making a legitimate thing. So that's just well, like, well, I, I always have like a running joke. It's like, I swear, like, no matter what, when I've like met people in the past, it's like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a singer. Okay. But like, what do you, oh, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, what do you do? Well, no, like I, <laughs> people pay me to like sing on songs. Well, like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, no, no, no. So like, that's where I came to that. People finally with, when they would say at the Christmas party or whatever we were, what yeah. do you do? I'd say, I'm a pro producer. I'm a pro musician. Well, what does yeah. that mean? Oh, I do custom work for film and TV and various clients across the world. That mm -hmm. really doesn't let that conversation go to the other side of like, oh, well, good for you. You're trying to be a singer. Keep going. Keep trying, which yes, yes, was yes. the conversation for many le years leading up to that, you know? Yeah. And I think that speaks so strongly to the way that we structure, you know, our course home studio boss, but the blueprint, we sort of structure what we teach is that mindset is step one, because there's so much work you have to do. We just yeah. explored and like, I'm going through that work right now. There is a lot of internal work you have to do to get your head in a sort of a clear headspace to then start delivering at a high level. And I think it's easy to take it for granted. Honestly, I think it's easier for people to sort of be like, ah, yeah, that's fine. And then you're kind of in, you're like, yeah, there's some work, like there's some work I got to dig down and, and sort of uh, solve some problems for sure. Absolutely. I mean, one of those things being imposter syndrome, right? Like oh. so many, I think artists feel um, guilt around charging for what they do because it comes naturally and because they love to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. then it becomes this like, who am I to charge for this thing that I would have done for free <laughs> or that yes. I enjoy doing so much? It feels wrong to charge for it. You know, and that's what one of the things I love about our program is that we dig into these things because, you know, in the end of the day, like if your mindset isn't right, all the tactics and strategies and the how to, they don't matter. They don't matter. Mm -hmm. Like you could be, you spend like the next, like, you know, five years in YouTube university, get, becoming like the best producer in the world through all the amazing how-to tutorials out there. But if your mindset is not right, it's like trying to build a house on sound, on sand. Yes. It, and it's just so, you know, it's so accurate. And I think in the music industry, it's, you know, more fundamental than anything else because it's just, there's no framework really that exists in this career overall. Yeah. So it's something you got to be like really self-assured and, and working through. So well, yeah. I love that we got to kick off with some, some mindset stuff. And I want to dive a little bit in some like particulars and some strategy stuff. Cause I love how that's how we've been structuring these sessions, these, these podcasts over the while. It's a little bit of sort of like more broad mindset stuff. And then a little bit like hard tactical things. Yeah. And so here's what something that I'm, I'm in right now. So these questions for everyone knows, these are questions I think of that I'm struggling with. <laughs> what would Chris ask? <laughs> what would Chris answer to these? So here's something that I think new producers, people that are maybe like have generating some, a few good months, maybe they're a year in having a really good month and then things kind of slowing down and then mm -hmm. navigating this inconsistent income 
with scarcity mindset, you know, wondering like, well, was it a fluke? You know, I, and if you're only in it for maybe a year, it's pretty reasonable to think like, well, this might not happen next month and I should work as hard as I possibly can this month because who knows if this comes in the next way. And mm. so I'm wondering your thoughts on sort of balancing that workload, but also, you know, trying to drive a consistent income and maybe some <clears throat> tips, strategies, things you learned to help give that sort of assurance. You're like, I know money's coming in and, and maybe your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I would say is that always diversify, always diversify as a pro producer, <clears throat> as a pro musician, um, and most entrepreneurial people that I know and freelancers that I know that have great success in six figure and seven figure businesses, they actually do have, um, multiple streams of income coming in, right? They're not relying on one source, right? Um, and so the same way that like, you know, at Produce Like a Boss, we don't just run ads and we don't just rely on emails or just rely on social. Like we're doing everything we can to spread the word about what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so if one of those things was to stop working or stop optimizing, we have other things. So it never feels like a huge crash, right? right. So one of the mistakes that I see a lot of new people make is they get really excited because one thing takes off. So they go all in on it, whether it's the custom songwriting stuff or whether it's like the online um, platforms like sound better or air gigs, they, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so they put all their eggs in that basket. And then if for some reason that doesn't follow through the next month, they get super discouraged. But what happens there is that, you know, first of all, the reason we get into doing this is so that we can be, this is why it's called home studio boss, so that you can be the boss and you can create a career that you want, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go and you put all your eggs in Soundbetter's basket or in Songfinch's basket or in anybody's basket, right? You're essentially just creating a gatekeeper, <laughs> which is what we're exactly trying to get away from. That's the kind of freedom we're creating as home studio bosses. We don't need a label. We don't need a publishing company. Why in the world would we give so much power to one, one marketplace? Stream. That's so interesting. You know, I never thought about it that way because I'm sort of guilty of feeling very seen right now, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Where I wasn't really viewing it through the lens of like you are allowing new gatekeepers in if you're relying on a few sort of sources of income. And I think a lot of us felt that, especially when the pandemic first hit, like myself, I was a bar gigging sort of full time 200 shows a year. And then that went away instantly. And I really had no other sort of income. Exactly. To get up. So something that we talk about a lot and I would love to get your take on is the idea of balancing passive and active income, because I think you're so right about not going down one lane too aggressively or putting all your eggs in one basket. But it is easy to, you know, forsake maybe some future results for some upfront results. And, you know, sometimes that passive income, some of those sync placements, things like that take a lot of work up front that you're not going to see the results from later. And I'm just curious, you know, when you look at your career and how you juggled, you know, session singing and custom songwriting and sync licensing, a, a nice sort of merriment of passive and active income. And as new producers, how should we be allotting our time? And how did you sort of find success, you know, juggling both of those? Yeah. So just, just in case like anyone's listening that isn't familiar with like the different passive income strategies and active income strategies, I just want to simplify and unpack that really quick. So yeah. basically, you know, any of the work for hire stuff that you'd get hired to do, let's say someone hires you to produce a song or to sing on a track or to create a custom song that's active in the moment you're trading your time for money, right? Mm -hmm. Passive income is going to be like, you know, like you were saying sync, like, um, which also can be active income as well. Cause you can get upfront sync fees, but a lot of times we're relying on like royalties, right? Which would be passive. And then you've got things like beat licensing 
and original song licensing, right? Where people are purchasing licenses from you. And that's something that you create once, but it continues to generate income for you, making it more passive, right? But that's the secret to, that's the kind of kicker to passive income is there's no such thing as passive income. You know, there's no way to passively make it. It actually requires a lot of work up front. So I just wanted to clear that, clarify that first in case we had any new listeners that were unfamiliar. And to talk about just how I balance that, something I'm always looking to do in every area of my business, always as I'm continuing to grow is I'm always looking to scale, right? And in order to scale, that means we have to look at sustainability, right? Like you were talking about burnout and like what, you know, what is sustainable? What is scalable? And the definition of that really is um, to, you know, what is the minimum amount of input I can give to get the maximum amount of output, right? So that makes me go back to the domino effect. Like when, what, what one domino can I knock over that would knock over several dominoes? So kind of a secret strategy that I have is the same way that we can repurpose content. I, I think of my music like that. So when I go to write a track, right, is that making sense? Yeah, totally, so totally. if I go to create a track, could I just create a beat that I could license? Sure. And that would knock down one domino. Could I just create a song that I pitched for film and TV? Sure. That would knock down another domino, but see how that's giving me two tasks that are totally separated. Yep. So I'm always going to go, how can I knock, how can I knock out the biggest task that will knock over like a domino effect, multiple yes. other dominoes, right? Yeah, so, and this is something we really teach inside of the program home studio boss. And we really dig into with our VIP people, but you know, in short, I basically go, okay, could I write a full song, right? right. So now I have a full song that I know is syncable right? Mm -hmm. That is also perhaps custom songwriting friendly, meaning that if I just changed a lyric here or there, it might even be able to be used as a custom song, right? right. Make right. it about a universal subject. Oh, guess what? That also makes it sync friendly. See how I'm knocking down multiple dominoes. Mm -hmm. And then when I pull back and I've got this fully produced song, could I mute the vocal? And then now I have a track for Lise. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then when I have a fully produced track, could I extract samples and loops and one shots uh, and, you know, perhaps anything that I built from scratch? Like if I recorded a sound, like if I took, you know, and, and recorded some sounds and then sell those as samples, you know, see, I'm always mm -hmm. thinking, how can I get the most juice out of the lemon? <laughs> right. oh, so I that would that. be, yeah, that's it. so it's like, I'm always thinking like that. And that that's kind of an approach that I took, but also something else I wanted to mention is, you know, as you are building your catalog and your profile as a freelance producer, right? And you're, you're getting work. You have to build something amazing anyways, right? You have right. to build something amazing so that people want to hire you. So many people want to rush to go and get money. They want to get paid for what they do before proving that they can create a body of work that's worth paying for. Right. So my initial advice would be to just make music without trying to make money first, right. just try and make great music, right? Mm -hmm. That gives you, this is another domino effect, your portfolio, which is what's going to get you paying clients. But Hey, guess what? While you were doing all that work, working for free, building a badass portfolio can now you have possible passive income. Yeah. I love that. I think, it's well, first of all, 
looking at it from a broader scope like that is so valuable. And it's because it's easy to get narrow focus on one brief, one client, one thing without, you know, I would never consider be like, oh, what else could I use this one thing for? Because you're sort of, we're just task oriented people. So it's easy to sort of be like, and I checked that off, like that's done now. And, you know, mm -hmm. that song never gets heard from again. And then you go, oh, maybe I have like 300 custom songs that could be used somewhere else like that. You never yeah. Really or maybe you, Right. Maybe you created a song for a brief, you pitched it for filming TV it, or you pitched it to another artist, right? Mm -hmm. The artist passed on it or it didn't make it through on the brief. Now that song goes to die on the hard drive graveyard. I yeah. don't think so. You yeah. know, it's like, it's the, it's the, it's the uh, hard drive revival, right? Where, right. and that's what we're really helping our students do is like, oh my gosh, I already was sitting on a gold mine of like right. music that I could monetize if I could just look at like not be so close-minded to, well, it didn't get the one home that I wanted for it. Okay. Yes. Can we find it another home? <laughs> you yeah, know? And I think a lot of that's probably just lack of, you know, you know, understanding of how broad the marketplaces are. You know, if we 100%. sort of think we got an opportunity for a sync brief, we wrote something for it and it didn't land, you know, we're just so many people and myself included just aren't privy to how many opportunities they really are because it's such a yeah. vast online market space that you know there's yeah. tons of ways to capitalize on that right well and then what about when you write a song for an artist right and it's not a song you would cut as an artist or you're not an artist yourself and so mm -hmm. it can feel very like oh like oh man that really sucks because that one artist i kind of really geared this towards their style right. and now i wrote it for them i'm not going to cut it i don't know any other artists like that so we think well that song's dead in the water there's a marketplace for that too yeah, there, totally. you know what I mean? So it's, it's really just about like opening up. It's understanding that every time you create a valuable, like it, like your songs are digital assets Yeah, yeah. and they're monetizable. That's what's so exciting about it. Even if they didn't get the first swing, you know, like it doesn't mean that it's dead in the water. Totally. And I think that, you know, it actually tails nicely into the next question I kind of want to bring up because we, we talk about higher leverage opportunities a lot because we yeah. sort of get some things that are started working and then we have to figure out how to sort of scale those opportunities. And, you know, I think the strategies, like we say, nothing's binary. Like here's a great strategy in terms of like one piece of asset that you can divide up amongst other places. But then another thing and something that you talk to me a lot about as we sort of, you know, as I'm really starting out in this is higher leverage opportunities. And, you know, yeah. are you doing jobs for a hundred dollars that you could find ways to do them for $500 if you were seeking different clients? Exactly. And I just, I'm curious your thoughts on scaling to higher leverage opportunities because <clears throat> I think it's easy to hit a bit of a ceiling. You're like, well, I've used all my time that I have to make opportunities and the opportunities are good. So it's not even like, it's not even, maybe you're not even thinking about scaling more. You're like, well, I make a good living and I use up all my time. But I think, you know, that mindset piece of like, well, now it's time to find a higher leverage opportunity. is something that's hard to sort of jump when you're sort of can get comfy, perhaps, right? Get a little right. Well, and how about going. making a great living and freeing up some of your time, right? Mm. Yeah. So, oh, go, yes. sorry, go ahead. No, certainly. I, I think that's a big thing too, is that you don't realize like, well, maybe I should start buying back some time. I should have some more freedom. It doesn't have to be maxed out all the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So how do you approach sort of finding higher leverage opportunities and just that whole sort of strategy as a producer? Yeah. So, and by higher leverage opportunities, I, I'm going to simplify that and say, you mean raising your prices? Sure. I think that's one, well, it's certainly yeah. one great strategy, one, right? Right. So that goes back to the mindset thing, right? Because we, when we first get started, our only goal is to find someone that will pay us. Yes. Right. And then that's the win. Somebody paid me to do the thing. <laughs> 
$50 to produce a track. And then like, you know, two weeks into it, you're like, holy crap, I'm making less than minimum wage. Right. But the first yeah. win is getting somebody to pay you for what you do, because that validates your offer. It validates your, you as a service provider that you can do this thing and someone's willing to pay for it. So once we get past that, it's like new level, new devil. Okay. Now we got like a mindset issue getting into raising our prices because we get into the scarcity mindset of, well, I finally found someone to pay me. And I'll probably find a bunch of people that would do that same thing because you've already got comfortable there. Let's stay here. I'm comfortable here. It was hard to believe someone would pay me. Someone paid me. It's hard to believe someone would pay me more, right? right? Then we have to come to the realization that, you know, there's a saying in business and in marketing, like if you try to be for everybody, you will be for nobody, right? And we have to get, this is where we really start to step into building like our own brand and finding our own voice and knowing who the F we are, right? And that we are going to be massively for some people and massively not for some people. And that's okay. Yes. And then we also start to understand the marketplace in a more of like a, do I want to be another commodity? Do I want somebody to say, do I want to work with this person because of price being the only factor? Because if that is, if you're competing on price with everybody else in the space with you, then it is literally you're commoditizing yourself and it's a race to the bottom because you'll always be beat out by the person who's willing to drop lower than you. That is not a race that I want to, to play, right? That's not a race I want to run. So then the question becomes like, am I okay with saying no to more people and working with people, like it's okay that less people will say yes, because I'm going to be compensated more, but I'm also going to get to work with closer to my dream client. And instead of looking at how can I get more clients? How can I get bigger? We go, how can I go deeper? How can I serve this client at a higher level to where when, by the time they get done here and what's in my offer, they're not comparing me to the next producer next to me because my offer is so customized and it's so much in alignment with like what I can deliver and only I can deliver that now you've created a market of your own. Okay. Yeah. But that's like, see how that's such a level up from, I just want to find someone to pay me. Totally. And I do encourage baby steps. Like first yeah. find somebody to pay you, go into the online markets and see what people are charging and charge within that so that you can get over that. No one will pay me to do this because that's a big one for us as musicians. Right, right. But then once you get comfortable and you've got consistent clients, the next level for you is to raise your prices because you have validated your offer. And now you get to go, okay, do I really want to take this person? Because I'm sorry, a dream client is not qualified by someone who's willing to hand you money. That is not right. what makes a dream client. Right. A dream client is someone that you're excited to work with. And as somebody who's been doing this professionally for years and years, I can say with, with, with no shame that there were many clients at first that I took on that were not my dream clients because I needed the money and that's okay. That was yeah. that part of my journey. But then it got to a point where my book started getting full and that's just, that's a sign when you're busy, and you've got multiple clients and multiple plates spinning. That is the first sign that you are charging way too low. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and in a perfect world, like you were saying, can I tell a quick story really quick? Do we have time Please? for that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I remember, it's so funny how my mentors and who I've looked up to and who I've, you know, aspired to be like has changed so much over the years. But I remember having a mentor where I thought he had the dream life that I wanted because mm -hmm. of his success in film and TV, because of the, the gear that he had, the studio he had, the lifestyle he had. 
And, you know, there was one day I was sitting in his studio and we were talking and he was telling me about his schedule and I was watching him work and he didn't have a very good workflow. He had just been doing it a really long time, but I saw how long it took him to do each thing. And I was like, oh, like even down to like basic, like DAW things. Right. right. I was like, this takes you way longer than it should. But I didn't say anything because like he was sure. my mentor. Right. <laughs> but then he was like, yeah, you know, and then I'm in here for 12 hours today and I'll be in here 12 hours tomorrow. And then, you know, X, Y, Z. And then it's like, we're looking at six figures a year. And I remember the moment where at first I thought, that's great. That's all I want to do. I just want to work all the time in my studio and make six figures a year. Cause I didn't think there could possibly be a better dream than that. Yeah. Until one day I went, wait a second. You never leave your studio. Like, when do you get to go and, and spend time with people you love or like mm -hmm. your family or like mm -hmm. your girlfriend? You know what I mean? Like, and that's when I kind of had the like, what if there's a better dream moment? What if I could make great money? but be really selective of the people that I work with so that I don't have to work with as many people. What if it's not all hustle? Right. And you know, I'm a big fan of the hustle, but you, what you if it's all, <laughs> I am a hustler. I'm a hustler, baby. But what if it's not all just that? What if I can be really intentional and go and get the domino client? Hey, what if instead yeah. of getting a bunch of hundred dollar clients, I go get a $5,000 client. Yeah. And then I don't have to work with as many clients. And now I got all my time back. Like, I love it. And I think, yeah. you know, it, it, it really reminds me of when I was really starting out as a performer, I was at a, an event backstage actually. And it was, it was like sort of a summer festival thing. And someone introduced me to someone else and they said, Patrick plays country music, but he'll really play whatever music if you pay him. Like it was a very oh. sort of like off cuff joke because at the bar scene, you just play everything. Too and bad, it was yeah. like, who do you want me to be? I'll be that yeah. person. Sure. And yeah. that, you know, because that's what you're just trying to find work. And then eventually yeah. you sort of evolve into like having your own space. Like, well, this is the one thing I deliver. And like you say, it's not for everyone, but the people it's for, it's really for. And right. as a producer, like, well, this is what I can deliver. And if you want it, it's going to blow your mind. And that sort of is the relationship that you get to develop once you start, you know, narrowing. hundred percent. But what I love is the discussion that we're jamming on right now is about the, the journey of that yes. and the spectrum of that, right? Because I think so many people will follow the advice of just do what you love, just follow your dream, just be you. Sure. And then they kind of stay stuck for a long time. Cause I feel that there is an element of like, I call it one foot inside the box, one foot outside of the box. Yeah. Look, music, like the industry, it's a business. It's a game. You have to learn how to play the game. It's only once you know the rules that you can break the rules. That's why I don't encourage people to start off at that because once again, if your foundation isn't solid, your mindset isn't right, you're not going to feel right charging five grand for any project. You're not going to feel right charging 200 or $300 for a vocal. So, you know, it is, uh, I think a gradual process. Some people move up quicker. Some people stay a little bit longer, but I think it's important to know the difference between like, you know, where you come in at and where you'll end up. Yeah. It's just a matter of how hard you work and like how willing to work through those mental blocks <laughs> you are totally. as well. You know? And that's, that's worth noting, you know, for anyone listening that this is a journey and it is a gradual process. And if you're yeah. in the sort of, you know, maybe lower tiered, a lot of projects and money's coming in, like that's an okay spot to be too. And it's more, I like that we're sort of mapping out, like, here's what you can look forward to, or here's what you can look to as you start to see some of these markers come up. You're like, well, all of my time's consumed. You know, that's when you, it's, it's good to sort of take a moment to reevaluate because you can get stuck in something for a long time. And I felt similarly in the bar grind. It was like, well, all right, well, now I'm now I well, all I want to do is book three days a week, four days a week. And then I did that. I was like, well, now I just book all my days a week. And, you know, I think 
it's it's hard to you, just, you can get comfortable in those things so it's it's important to find yeah. times to reflect on you know what the next step should be to continue to grow and continue to scale absolutely and i just want to add one more thing to that as well mm -hmm. it's like you know sometimes when we're not willing to let go of where we are we cannot go to where we are meant to go to on the next chapter it's um it's the process of decluttering right yes um so when we need to make new space energetically Okay. If you want to get a little woo, mm -hmm. um, in our lives to, it's like, you know, you're not going to like, if you're with somebody and you're not happy with that person, you're not going to attract your dream person. Like while you're still with that person, most of the time, <laughs> right? So it's like you, you break up with that person so that you can make the space in your life for the dream person to come in. It's kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I can think of several occasions where I had like regular jobs where it's like, I was so like invested, like, and even in sound better for a while mm -hmm. where like, it was so consistent. I wouldn't turn down anything when I would I would travel and bring an interface with me and a laptop and be like, I will take a job on the road. But that's because I was playing the game and I was getting my, you know, the notches on my belt. But yeah. then it got to a point where, you know, I had to say, no, I'm going to say no to things so that I can enjoy. Like this is meant to be a, a trip for leisure, right? This is meant to be a trip for enjoyment. I'm not going to work on the road and I'm going to make space to open up for newer opportunities. I had a client that hired me to to work for, it was actually a B2B. So I was working for a company that was hiring me and probably paying me somewhere between seven and $10,000 a month just to write songs for them. I didn't even have to be the singer. Right. Do you know how hard it was? I had to go to a new level to <laughs> yeah. turn that down though, because it was so consistent. I was like, why would I ever turn that down? Right. Yeah, but I yeah. realized that it was actually slowing me down from other areas in my, in my life and in my business, because mm -hmm. I was handcuffed to this opportunity. And, you know, I always like, you know, it's funny. I have a mantra that I say to myself and it's always like, what if there's a better dream? Like, how can this get better? You know, instead of always being in a, in a place of like, you know, waiting till we, I, you know, I call it the bathroom floor moment where we hit the ground and we go, Oh my gosh, like, God, can you help me, you know, manifest this, this thing I want. And we get our prayers then why not say the prayer when things are good, right? What it's like, what if things are going really good and you go, this is awesome. I am grateful, but also how could this get even better? Then you're like, yeah. right. And you're not stuck attaching yourself to things in a scarcity mindset. Cause you know, you know what, this or something better. Right. And I'm, it, yeah, when you're planning, not from a point of desperation, when you're exactly. in a point of like, you know, sustenance, fulfillment, and you're like, well, what's exactly. next? Well, you know, and that's, that's so true too, because I think we just want to keep growing. That's, you know, Alex Ramosi talks about that a lot. A big uh, guru that we like to follow is, is, you know, people are looking for new opportunities. That's, that's what yeah. we get excited by. So we want to continually grow. We just don't want to be, be stagnant. Yeah. And that kind of, I think that, that again, ties nicely into the, the final question that I wanted to talk about with, uh, when we talk about work, when we talk about burnout, you know, I think it's something that is overlooked. And I actually saw a post recently talking about the music industry probably does hustle, grind, burnout way more than other industries, but it's not as structured. So it's not as documented. It's not as clear. Like people can work till 4 a.m. in their home studio and no one will know. And so it's not as apparent and it's easy. We're, we are responsible for our own mental health, our own sort of sanity because we're only reporting to ourselves. So I would love to just get your thoughts, you know, maybe first on navigating burnout, how you mm -hmm. sort of found ways to recover from burnout and, you know, just that sort of mental health wellness in general, because I think it's, it's a really critical part. And I think it's often not discussed enough because mm -hmm. we're, we're hustling, you know, we're trying to grind and stuff, which is fun and exciting. That's why we love to do it. But, you know, there are things you need to be cognizant of too. So I'd love your perspective on that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> that one is something that I'm always still working on too. If it just in full transparency yeah. so that I Likewise, don't come yeah. off. I'm not the expert <laughs> on that because I, I do tend to work until I break sometimes. And sure. I just want to be honest about that. But, um, what I will say is this, when you really, really love what you're doing, you don't tend to burn out as quickly because what you're doing, you're so lit up and so full of, of the energy that you need. So I want to invite anyone who's feeling burnt out to ask themselves to get really clear with themselves about like, am I really doing what I want to be doing right now? Because you'll be able to go longer, further, faster, work harder, call it whatever you want. I call it inspired action will not burn you out quite as quickly. Now we're all human in the end of the day, and we all need to force ourselves to force us ourselves to take breaks. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but I did want to just decipher at the top that sometimes when you're pushing a boulder up a mountain, it's because you're climbing the wrong mountain, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a Albert Einstein said, you know, you cannot judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. So I do think there is a point in all of our careers where we need to get really honest about our goals and say like, am I going the right direction? You know, I, I'm not going to be training to be in the Olympics, for example, you know, like that's just not something in this lifetime that I could, there's a lot of things. You can't tell me I can't do a lot of things in this world. But if you said like, Hey, go train to be like, become an Olympic Olympic athlete. I'd have to look really hard and long at that. And you bet, I bet your ass you I'd burn out if I tried to train to do it. Right. So it's like getting real with like clear with your intention and, and, and like asking yourself, like, is this like goals have to be like achievable. Mm -hmm. They have to be realistic. Right. Yeah. Are you a fish trying to climb a tree? Like ask yourself that first. And then the second part of that is if you really, really love what you're doing and you just need to manage your time to make sure that you don't burn out, which is where a lot of us are. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that you have to pencil in rest. Like you pencil in everything else. I live and die by my calendar. Okay. That is a hill that I am willing to die on. Like everything goes in my Monday board and it goes in my calendar. And if it's not there, I forget it. And that includes rest. Okay. Because I will just work and work and work um, otherwise until I am told to stop. So I have to pencil it in, even if it means that I don't want to stop, Right. you know, and and I have to schedule and like take intentional rest, you know? And even like, you know, when you think you don't need it, like sometimes the things like if you rest two hours before you totally are exhausted and need to rest, you'll actually have more, it'll be of more benefit to you because you didn't go to a breaking point when you scheduled in, you know, some recovery time. Well, and here's a trick for any of my workaholic, perfectionist, uh, A-type personality types, if there's any of you out there, because that's definitely how my brain is wired. It's like, no, is this like, this is going to help the business. This is going to help me grow, right? But like we get so growth oriented and, you know, productivity addicted, right? Let yourself know when you get to that point and you think you need to push it, that if you work an extra two hours, you could potentially be spinning your wheels for something that you might be able to get done the next day in 20 minutes. If you had fresh eyes, same thing goes with like, even the music aspects of like mixing, you know, sometimes we push ourselves to a point where we're so tired, but we just want to get it done. It was time wasted because of ear fatigue, right? Well, it's the same thing with brain fatigue. When you hit a certain amount of fatigue, you're not actually being a warrior by pushing through it. You're actually being inefficient. So that's why I say this is for my A-type people. Like if I tell you like you're actually not working smart right now, it will make you stop and go, oh, well, I want to be smart because that's what we (laughs) we identify with that, right? So it's like if you want to work smart, which I think you do, make yourself take a break because that thing you think you just need two more hours to do could actually be a 20-minute task. 
I can't tell you how many times I've had to learn that the hard way (laughs) where I'm like, I try, and then it ends up being wrong. Anyways, that thing I push through and then I give myself a day or two and I come back to it and it takes me five minutes and I'm like, well, shit. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, and then also just off of that, I think it's, it's good to sort of have a sense of what works for you. Like, you, you know, and be cognizant of what your sort of mind needs and body needs in terms of rest, because comparing yourself, well, one to the internet is always a, a folly. The Instagram life isn't what anyone's living, but yeah, just being recognized and like, well, you know, when you operate best and try to adhere to that, because I think that we can get sucked into like, well, other people work 12 hour days. It's like, well, can you, can you do it? Well, like, are you really good at an eight hour day? Then maybe. Okay. But know. like, that's the thing. That's where the, 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 the issue is, is that. Yeah working a 12 hour day is not the win, right? It's the results. So when you see somebody hustling that like, oh, well, they like me, like with that mentor, we're like, oh man, like, oh, you work 12 hours a day. And like, oh, you got all the things I want. What if there's a better dream? What if I could have all of that and more and work four hours a day? I love it. Yes. What if there's a better dream, it right? Is. And it's so, the result. You're totally right. It's right. It's all about the result. No, I was going to say is that we always are chasing that sort of marker, right? Like, well, what you always tell me more work doesn't mean a better product. That's exactly, not, they're not, uh, you know, in a one-to-one relation. No, the only thing that matters is the result. And, you know, this is exactly why I don't work hourly rates anymore. Um, for those, for those of you listening who are wondering about hourly rates, it's like the more I work, the better I get at my job, the quicker I can do it. And I'm not going to be uh, punished for that uh, through my hourly rate. Like somebody is paying me for a result. It's the same thing. So it's like always, you know, always be asking yourself as you go to do anything, like, is this the most efficient way to do it? Is it the most effective way to do it? You know, and this could go into a whole, I think we're going to have to do a podcast on time management, (laughs) Uh, like time management, workflow systems, which we do cover systems like pretty, pretty deep in home studio boss as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's another thing is like a lot of times that we are burning out and spinning our wheels, um, you know. There was a funny, I was at a business conference recently and I heard this quote that was amazing. It was like 70% of Americans waste like 90 hours a a quarter or something (laughs) or a year um, looking for things that they've misplaced. (laughs) Right. And like, like, you know, where's my keys? Where's my phone? Right. And that was just so telling of like how, how many people run their businesses like that? Like, oh, I'm working so hard. I'm working so hard. It's like, no, you just don't know how to produce. Well, you don't, you know, like you might make good music, but like, you don't know your quick commands. You don't know where your samples are. Like you have poor file management, right? Like you're unorganized. Like every time you go to do something, you have to check like five different notepads. Like (laughs) that's what's burning you out, boo. It's not the work. So it's like, that's another thing. It's like taking a look at how how you're doing your work and saying, am I burnt out because of the work or am right. I burnt out because I'm inefficient and ineffective because I don't have the right systems in place, which totally. is something that, you know, we really dig into in home studio boss is like, how can you systemize your business and set it up for success so that you can actually show up and be the creator in your business? You know, who this reminds me of Derek Sebastian, our mm-hmm. alumni rock star, D- yep. Derek Sebastian, who just got three songs placed in a major surf clothing campaign, Roxy Quicksilver, right? He's a yeah. ukulele player, uh, player. We showed him how to hire and train a VA. And I know he was on the fence about it. Like, oh, do I need this? I don't know if I want to spend the money, whatever. He finally got his Rockstar VA in. And now like his words, exactly. He's now I get to just show up and create, like, I don't even have to worry about the admin and registering songs with the PROs, like, mm-hmm. you know, putting things up on websites and like all of the stuff that he doesn't like to do in his business. He's able to outsource that now 
and he's able to just show up and be the creator. But that's because he set that up with intention. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't happen by accident. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I think that that is a huge component of burnout and a huge thing that's worth evaluating just within your own sort of work-life balance and your work-life structure and, and how you're sort of navigating the workload that you have on your plate currently. Sure. And I think that particularly, we've said it so many times now about Home Studio Boss, which is our sort of branding of this sort of style of producer, that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't let <laughs> people know uh, a little bit more about that. So I thought maybe to wrap this up, we have a kind of a cool thing within the halls of P-Lab right now where we've opened up some applications for our Home Studio Boss VIP program. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the Home Studio Boss VIP program. And you know, we've been talking so much about what we teach in it, but maybe just yeah. a broader sense of what that is and uh, maybe how people could become a part of it. Yeah, so Home Studio Boss itself, um, before we get to the VIP part of it, is is a self-study course that I have created, which is literally the playbook to how to build a six-figure production business as a music producer, right? So it's going to be everything in there that we've been talking about, you know, from dialing in your mindset first to building and setting up these systems, assembling your tool belt and getting all the right gear that you need and nothing you don't. A lot of people think you got to spend a lot of money on gear, which is actually a lie. Um, But, you know, basically how to take this, these skills, and how to monetize them, right? And then like, as we discussed, you know, your first problem is how do I get someone to pay me? But then it becomes like, okay, how do I scale? How do I, how do I have something? How do I build a sustainable, scalable business, right? And that requires um, some systemization, um, and some processes and, and, you know, lots of things that we cover inside of the course, everything from templates and tools and resources to, we even have an entire directory of places with over a hundred places that you can monetize your music. Yeah. Okay. Anything from beat licensing to sync licensing, to freelance work, to custom songwriting. I mean, there is no shortage of places that you could start making money today. Like right now, like we get people that sign up for the program and they make like they get they get their first paid job within a week. Right. Yeah, so no. that is what Home Studio Boss is. And it's pretty awesome in itself. It's and, and that is self-paced. You know, you get in and you're able to it's a pretty robust course. There's 10 modules just jam chock full of like, as Patrick likes to say, all killer, no filler content, <laughs> because that, you know, I am I am a fan of just getting right down to it and not actually putting a bunch of information in there that you don't need. So that is really, that's really something I'm so proud of. Right. But Mm -hmm. then what, what we noticed is that a lot of people wanted coaching. They wanted accountability, Mm -hmm. right? They wanted to have things customized a little bit more to them. So then we created the VIP program, which is home studio boss, the course, as well as six months of coaching with us. It is now the only program that I do live calls in. I don't do live calls in any of our other programs anymore, specifically so that I could focus on my VIP peeps. Mm-hmm. So um, there's uh, hot seats with me monthly. We've got uh, all up in your mix, mix critique sessions with our community manager and head, uh, uh, Ben Clark. Uh, we have... Um, other expert songwriting uh, workshops that, I'm sorry, expert workshops that cover anything from custom songwriting to building better offers to social media. We we go through those different buckets. Mm-hmm. And then we also have an in-house sync library that does a monthly brief and Q&A specifically for our VIP students only. Yeah. It's In amazing. the program, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it, it's like... Building this offer was so exciting. So I'm like, oh, we could do this and we could do that. And then, um, and then of course, two one-on-ones a month with your 
coach so that you can always make sure that you're staying on track. And then you also get a customized business plan. So the really cool thing about having a customized action plan is that it is a game plan. It is your business plan that is customized exactly to you. So you get together with your first call with your one-on-one -on -one coach, and he's going to ask you what your musical goals are. And then he's going to help you get clarity on those goals and then give you the exact steps that you need to meet those goals, right? So you get a customized action plan, you get, you know, the live workshops, you get the accountability, you get the private Facebook group mastermind, and then you get the access to the course home studio boss as well. And I'm just like over the moon about it. It's my favorite offer that we have. It's the reason that I'm only coaching in that program as well, too, so that I can give my full um, attention to those students. Totally. It, it really is just the best opportunity, I think, on the market to scale a simple home studio into a you know profitable business. I think it's really incredible. Yeah. And I'm a product of it. I went through it myself recently and had really wonderful results. And if anyone listening to this is interested in learning a little bit more, we'll actually put a link in this uh, description of the podcast to book a call with us. And we'll just talk through your plans, talk through your, the opportunities that are out there and what you're looking to achieve and see if it's something we can help help you with. So I think that's a, a great place to wrap up this four-part series. Now, don't don't freak out, anyone. Like, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be back. <laughs> we're going to be doing more. This is the conclusion of this four-part series. But we've been having such a blast in this new sort of framework, this new style of podcast. I think we got to keep this going for uh, for a while. We are absolutely going to keep it going in this style. I love it. And my favorite thing about this, Patrick, is that you come to the table with these great questions as the student, because you're, sure. you're on team P lab. Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. But you, you came into our world as a student and you're still going through the programs and applying and you're still, you're a working producer. Like you yes. are a home studio boss, like in the making up and coming. And so we get to get that real-time feedback as opposed to me guessing what I think people want to hear right. about. We get to right. actually, you know, get, get those questions answered. So thank you for putting this together. Well, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. And yeah, these are all things I currently struggle with. And then I just write them on a sheet <laughs> and then we film a podcast. So <laughs> Patrick's like, I have a great idea for how we can do a podcast, i.e. Yeah. Patrick's coaching session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love, I love it. I love it. And I know we're getting a lot of great feedback from the students as well. So thank you. Likewise. All right, my friends. Well, we will leave it there and we will see you all next week. Yeah. Bye for now. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Listen, if you're wanting to learn how to turn your home studio into a cash producing machine and start actually generating income as a musician, we'd love to help. You don't have to wait on royalties or Spotify streams or getting discovered. Matter of fact, chasing those things is like stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. At Produce Like a Boss, we can show you how to ditch the nine to five and ditch the side hustle. Who needs a side hustle? It's time to make music your front hustle. So I'm going to drop a link here in the description of this podcast. Go ahead and click that link to book your strategy call today. And we look forward to chatting with you. As always, I'm going to take us out with one of my songs. This is a song that I produced and co-wrote with an artist named Arlo and was actually recently featured on NFL Today. It's called World We Never Knew.
I'm not afraid.